Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong Giants fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. What the? Wait. Uh, Dang it. Um, uh, uh, um, oh, uh, welcome back to Giant Cocktails, the podcast where two lifelong San Francisco Giants fans talk about their favorite baseball team while drinking homemade cocktails. But so I, but I, Bob, the announcer already told him that I, <laughs> what, who was that? What is that, going on? That was Bob, the announcer. Well, who, who's Bob? Bob's our new uh, voiceover intro guy. I went and uh, spent some big bucks on the corporate credit card and uh, changed <laughs> things up. But that, that is literally the only thing I do on this show besides getting intoxicated <laughs> and then just blathering out of my mouth. That is literally the only thing I do. And you, you hired somebody to do it? Well, fair enough, but in 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 my defense, this guy does it better. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure, if you like that that saccharine like movie, you know, voiceover voice or whatever. <laughs> if you want to sound all pro, I guess. Calm down, Ben. <laughs> what? Calm down, oh, no. Ben. Oh, no. <laughs> I got Bob to say a bunch of things, man. We're oh, going to have fun no. with this. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. Well, welcome to the show, Bob. Um, maybe I'm going to have to change my intro now. Um, well, I am one of your hosts. As you already know, I guess, this is Ben Henry alongside my brother. Um, well, you know his name, too. Um, Matthew Henry. Um, Matthew, say something to defend yourself. I, I have no defense other than I, you know, I've been looking for things to have, you know, to have some fun with the podcast. And there's this great website called Fiverr where you could pay somebody like, you know, not a whole lot of mo- dollars to create stuff for you. And, and I may have gotten a little carried away. And so... <laughs> You know, oh, the, the intro and there's so an Bob's a mercenary end. is what you're saying. Bob is a mercenary. He will do this for anyone for the right price. Absolutely. Oh, I see. And uh, just, you know, don't check your credit card statements, you know, anytime <laughs> soon. But uh, they, uh, yeah, this yeah. is this is the new, new uh, and improved giant cocktails. Wow. Well, OK, well, then I guess I'm going to have to make a new and improved uh, intro. Um, well, thanks, Bob. Um, yes, this is Giant Cocktails, and uh, let's see, uh, let the San Francisco Giants, right? Because that's what we're supposed to talk about on this show. It is. I mean, you already told us that, I think. No, you didn't tell us that, Bob. Yeah, there, there, see? This is a podcast about the San Francisco Giants, and the San Francisco Giants this week went one and two. Some that actually care about the All-Star Game might say they went one and three because the National League lost, but I think, based on how the All-Star game went for the Giants and for the National League overall, that we should just not talk about it. 
Let's not talk about the All-Star game. Let's what's important What's important about the All-Star game is more about who you get onto the roster than how that that game turns out. Especially, you know, especially when the San Francisco Giant player that actually plays makes an error. Uh yeah, we don't want you to talk about it. Right, right. Or gives up a massive home run, Atlee Hammaker style. Exactly. Or, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm trying to remember the last guy who did well for the Giants in the All-Star game, and I just remembered who it was. <laughs> Good old Melky. <laughs> oh, the Melk man. Uh, shortly before breaking Giants' hearts, or just pissing them off, Giants fans' hearts. Um, he, was the, he was the MVP in the All-Star game. Yeah? That's right. Um, well, anyway, so the Giants did, unfortunately, also go one and two against the St. Louis Cardinals uh, for the first series back uh, after the All-Star break, concluding their season series with the Cardinals, which they ended up finishing two and four, a losing record against a mediocre team from a mediocre division. Definitely not the kind of record that you would expect the best re- team in baseball to have against a team like that. But nonetheless, it happened. And we will talk a little bit more about that. But I do want to point out that the Giants record is still 58 and 34 for a winning percentage of 630. They still have the best record in baseball. They are still better than everyone else, no matter what anyone else says. And they have a game lead over the Dodgers in the NL West and for the best record in baseball. They have a five game lead over the Padres. And they have a 10 and a half game lead over the. Reds, the Cincinnati Reds, who are the first team on the outside looking in when it comes to playoff spots. So that is how things stand today on Sunday, July 18th, as we record this podcast. And with that, Matthew. Oh, wait, no, no, wait, 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 wait. What are you drinking? (laughs) What are you drinking? Thanks, Bob. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, go ahead, Matthew. Answer Bob's question. <laughs> well, Bob, I uh, am drinking. Actually, today I'm drinking what's called an amaretto sour. And amaretto is a liqueur in the uh, it, it's in the almond family, I believe. And I think I've used it in one other cocktail uh, in the podcast. And I had this great bottle, and I actually really like it. I think it's a it adds a sweetness to a cocktail with a a nice nutty uh, flavor, and so. The Amaretto Sour uh, is it's an Amaretto based, obviously, cocktail. It's got an ounce and a half of Amaretto, but then it's got an ounce of bourbon, you know, to kind of give it a little punch and three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice and then a teaspoon of Demarara sugar. Demarara, 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 Demarara. Say that again. Demarara sugar. Right, Bob. What do you think about Matthew's pronunciation? <laughs> I don't have one for Bob there. All right. And then this one calls for an egg white, uh, and I actually used. I went safe. I didn't. I didn't try and poison myself like you did the last time. And I actually used a pasteurized egg white, uh, about an a uh, half ounce of that. And you do it, you shake it in ice, you put all the ingredients in, you shake it for about 15 seconds, and then you strain it into uh, your cocktail shaker, get rid of the ice, 
and you do what's called a dry shake again for about 15 seconds. And the dry shake is what, what emulsifies the egg uh, and gives you a nice foamy head. So this, this cocktail has uh, a nice kind of opaque, you know, pear kind of look to it. And then, and then it has a nice white foamed head on there. And I actually garnish it with not one, but two Luxardo cherries. And uh, it is quite nice. I'm really enjoying it. It's a nice, refreshing uh, sour. And I will, uh, I'll definitely do this one again. So, Ben, what are you drinking? Wow, thanks, Bob. <laughs> Since, well, thank you for asking, Bob, first of all. I mean, I don't know why I need to be rude to you. You're not the one who, who just, you know, you didn't know. You didn't know what you were doing. You, you're just he, he, doing he just your followed job. the order, yeah, yeah. You're just doing your job. And, uh, you know, I, I commend you for that. Um, so thank you. Thank you for asking me what I'm drinking. Matthew, job stealer. Um, what I uh, well, first of all, I want to commend you for a, a couple of things. I, I, I do thank you for explaining what a dry shake is, because I believe I, I did a dry shake earlier in the season. And I just mentioned that you do one and then I didn't explain what it was. So, yeah. yes, a dry shake is where you shake all the ingredients together without ice uh, to emulsify the egg white and to give it so that the, you get a foamier, like, a, you know, like, yeah, a foamier result. Uh, and then you shake it again with ice in there after that to, 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 you know, to cool it down and also to get a little bit of water content in there. So that is the difference between a dry shake and a, I guess, a wet shake? Yeah. Know, yeah. Normal shake? Normal shake, yeah. 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 Anyway. The second thing I want to commend you on is by putting two cherries in your, your cocktail. Two Luxardo cherries, um, because, you know, Matthew, one of the benefits of making your own cocktail is that you don't have to chintz on the cherries. That's right. You know, like how many times you go to a bar and they won't they give you like half a broken day glow maraschino cherry that they got from, you know, generic brand uh, grocery store or the ice cream parlor next door. And then they ask, and you ask, can I get another cherry? And they look at you with disdain while they grab their cocktail napkin and put like three cherries on it and then sigh heavily as they slide it over to you. (sighs) (laughs) And that, my friends, is why you make cocktails at home. No offense to the bartenders out there. You're all great. I love you. Anyway, Bob, what am I drinking? Bob, I'm drinking a Trafalgar, which is actually a perfect cocktail to have on a night like this where you've had a a roll of yours taken away because it is a heavy hitter, Bob. This cocktail is one of my all-time favorites, and I got it directly out of the 12-bottle bar. And I know I say they're all my 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 uh, all-time favorites, but this one truly is one of my favorites. I've made it many, many times. And what it is is an ounce and a half of amber rum, an ounce and a half of brandy, half an ounce of triple sec. I used Cointreau, of course, always. And then half an ounce of simple syrup and half an ounce of lime juice. And then you shake that all with ice, a wet shake, I guess. Uh, And then you strain that. And is that it? No, Bob. No, Bob, that's not it. Because then what you do is you do a red wine float on top of that. Yes, Bob, you heard me. Four alcohols in this cocktail, the Trafalgar. And it is a cocktail meant to get you through rough patches like this one. Um, No offense, Bob. (laughs) 
and so that is the Trafalgar. Now, what's really interesting about the Trafalgar is, first of all, it comes out a beautiful color if you do it right. It has this nice red layer uh, sitting over the rest of the cocktail. Mine's been sitting for a while now, so Matthew can actually see that it's kind of bled down into the yeah. cocktail crate. But you did send me a photo right after you took it. Yes, and it yes, lovely. I did. And maybe and we this will time post you... that on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, for once, Matthew will post my cocktail on Twitter as well. Um, <laughs> Notice how I'm like I'm doing none of the work and I'm I'm getting mad at him for doing all the work. <laughs> it's very it's like, you know, hey, I, yeah. I only got so much time in the day. All right. Yeah. <laughs> if someone doesn't fair. send me a photo or send me the recipe, you know. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> well, I just gave you the recipe here, man. You're the one well, who edits the show. I, I know you listen, listen to it. To it. I know on, you man. listen to it at least once. <laughs> all right. And but the trick to this one though, when you're drinking it, is you have to do a deep pull because you want to get through that red wine float. So you got to get like you got to get through the red wine. So you got to take a deep pull every time you drink from this cocktail. And excuse me while I do that. <sighs> yes. Deep pull very, means very like good. deep pull means like a big gulp. <laughs> that 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 cocktail glass went down quite a bit after that sip. <laughs> I said a deep pull. Yes. yes. I didn't say deep pull was like, uh, you know, another word for dainty sip. All right, folks. Ben's going to get real ornery by the end of this uh, this podcast. I can. Oh, I can Bob's got me it. all riled up. Bob's got me all riled up. And it's just, you just, you know, no offense, Bob. But anyway, Bob, that's what okay. I'm drinking, Bob. Okay. All right. Well, hey, Bob's got something to tell you. Okay. Mmm. That's a tasty cocktail. <laughs> well, you know what, Bob? It is. It is a tasty. You know what? You're warming up. I'm warming up to you a little bit. Okay. Yes. It is a tasty cocktail. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm I'm having way too much fun with uh, with Bob and and our, our all this, but. Uh... All right, I guess there are other things we should probably talk about here. Yeah, we should. We have a couple of important things that we really need yeah, to talk yeah. about. Yeah, well, the most important thing, and you say yeah, that I listen to the podcast. I listen to our podcast probably, well, at least twice, but mm -hmm. usually like usually on average three times. Once when I'm actually doing the editing and twice, uh, once when I'm waiting for you to take forever to upload it, you know, to the, to mm -hmm. the thought, you know, I just listen to it from my, from my computer. Uh, and then once, once it goes live, because I, you know, I like to see the numbers rise on, uh, on our mm -hmm. stat sheet. And so, you know, my play actually contributes to that. So, you know, I, I listened to three times. It wasn't until the third time that I realized that I had totally confused Jeffrey Leonard for Candy Maldonado. And, or I guess I should say for Candy Maldonado for Jeffrey Leonard, because I kept referring to in the fight last week between the Cardinals and we were discussing about this. I kept mentioning Jeffrey Leonard as the guy coming in from first base. In fact, it was Candy Maldonado, the candy man. And I, and I can't believe that I messed that up. And then later in the episode, you know, I mentioned uh, we were talking about trading for Joey Gallo, and I had this comment about Jalen Davis being a Joey Gallo light. And what I really meant was Lamont Wade Jr. And uh, I, I don't know if that matters at all because really I'm insulting either one of them. But my apologies to both Mr. Davis and Mr. Wade Jr. Um, but, you know, that's what happens when you're drinking in the middle of a, of a podcast. It also happens when you're about to turn, you know, have another birthday and mortality is looking you in the, in the face and you just forget things. And so... Sorry, but that those were my uh, F-ups for last week, and I just wanted to own it and issue a mea culpa. 
Wait, does that mean we have to now start apologizing every time we make a mistake? Well, only if it bothers you. I guess only if it bothers oh, okay, you. Okay, then no. So, yeah, no, I'm fine. Yes. <laughs> it never bothers me. But it, it bothered me because I was like, how can well, I, how can I yeah, do that? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that's it's Candy Maldonado. I should have known yeah, that. Yeah, Candyman need, deserved credit there. Candyman deserved credit there. And to be fair, I was watching the video in real time. I didn't really notice because he just comes in and wallops that guy in the face. Uh, and that's really all you're looking at is the, you know, I, I think, is it is it Ozzy Smith or Jose Akendo? I can never remember, like, who's facing whom when 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 Candyman comes flying I, in there. I but... think Akendo gets it to the face because okay. uh, okay. Ozzy's too busy swinging and missing. Right. I mean, well, that's, yeah, Ozzy's yeah. doing the. That's good. That's good. Because Akendo is the one who started it all by slapping Will in the face. Yes. Yes. Like like an like an insolent child. Exactly. Uh, that was Jose Akendo who did that for sure. For sure. Uh, the one the one thing I will say is is that there you know for those that don't know the rivalry between the San Francisco Giants and the Cardinals well the Giants and Cardinals goes back a very long way throughout all of the history of baseball they're they're two of the oldest teams in baseball but the late eighties was a um, a very tumultuous time between the two teams and um, it, it is a lot of fun because the the Giants were certainly an upstart uh, in the latter half of that decade and. Um, and you know they they faced each other in the '87 NLCS and and they won in seven games and there was a lot of controversy in that series involving Jeffrey Leonard with his whole one flap down. Um, yeah, one flap down, yeah. baby. So you know like, you know today people get you know are talking about like you know whether or not it's okay to flip bats or um, you know watch spin, a ball, or spin around a base, spin or... around a base when you're after you've hit a home run. Well, back then it was it was it was you couldn't do anything. And so what Jeffrey Leonard liked to do is he liked to run around the bases on occasion where he only swung one arm. The other arm he would just hold straight down and he called it one flap down. That was it. Right. And that got people riled up. This caused bench clearing brawls. And, you know, and that's the 80s. But you could slide all the way through second base and wipe out a second baseman entirely. And that was perfectly legal. Baseball is a weird and magical sport in many ways, I must say. The the things that that people get upset about and don't get upset about seem to make no sense whatsoever. So so now it it is allowed. You're not allowed to take people out at second base. And you are, of course, allowed to run around the bases however you see fit. more or less. I, I think that's still out for, for debate, but it seems like one side seems to be winning the debate. Yeah. Um, but anyway, fun fun, uh, fun little research. But then after that, I will say in the uh, early 2000s and since then, the Giants have had uh, the best of it. But not this year. And, not, and, and I think it was a little bit troubling to me, Matthew, because... The Cardinals are a mediocre team. Yes, they've got Paul Goldschmidt. Yes, they have Nolan Arenado. And yes, those two are notorious giant killers and great players. But overall, the Cardinals are not a good team. And the Giants went two and four against them over a very short period of time. And and I got to say, that worries me. Are you does it does this worry you at all? Are you at all concerned about the Cardinals and 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 how they performed against the Giants or or am I missing something here or is there a reason why we don't have to worry about it? Help help talk me down here because the Cardinals kind of freak me out. To be to be fair, I mean they did face Cy Young candidate Quang Young Kim twice, right? I mean 
Wait, Cy Young candidate. <laughs> well, I'm assuming he's a Cy Young candidate because, I mean, he's held the Giants to like two runs over like, you know, yeah, 13, true. 14 that's innings. True. I'm just you need assuming. somebody to shut down the Giants. Go get that guy. Yeah. And, and I guess to answer your question, I mean, if the Giants face somebody like him who seems to be, I'm going to keep the ball down and I'm going to play at the bottom of the strike zone and I'm going to consistently be there, then maybe you should be worried because it seems like the Giants um, are not, don't, don't seem to do well against that type of pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I, I think this is the kind of thing that I was going after when I was talking about the National Series in, in Washington, right? Where there seems to be an approach that some pitchers can take where that the Giants just are not good against that kind of pitcher. And, and, and to be fair, it's, it's a really hard thing to do. But what these pitchers do is they attack the zone, they throw strikes, and they throw the ball where they know that the Giants do not want to swing the bat, which is typically low in the zone and also low and away, right? And they can just keep going back to the well and getting strike after strike. And you'll notice that the, the, the side effect of that is they don't run up their pitch count, which means they can go super deep into the game. Uh, and then... And then as a result of that, they can continue to dominate the Giants all the way through. And the result is the Giants do a bunch of nothing and they end up losing, you know, two to one, three to one. And it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's super frustrating. Yeah, it's hard to do, but here's my concern. Here's my concern. My concern is, is that as the Giants get into the postseason, and I think at this point, if the Giants don't make it to the postseason, it's going to be an utter disaster. So when the Giants get into the postseason, the chances of them facing a pitcher or many pitchers that can do this is going to increase significantly. And I'm very, very concerned that this team will not be able to or... Well, I don't know. I mean, it's not a bad. It's not a matter of ability. I'm just wondering if there is a an approach here that the Giants need to think about changing. And I think Kim was a perfect opportunity for them to attempt to do that. And it didn't look to me like they tried. They saw no. this guy one, you know, less than a week before, and then they saw him again, and he did the same thing to them both times, and it really didn't look like they changed much. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, their philosophy is you look for pitches up to drive the ball. They want to hit hard. You know, they want to hit home runs, basically. Uh, and, you know, at war, they, they wait for pitchers to make a mistake. You know, they, they don't they don't chase, they, you know, that kind of thing. And when pitchers like Kim are hitting their spots, staying low, staying away from the power, uh, yeah, it makes it hard for the, the Giants to, you know, to, to play, to, to execute their game plan. And so I guess at some point you have to wonder, do the Giants start changing their game plan? I mean, are they going to be flexible enough to say, okay, we know this pitchers, you know, likes to, you know, sit at the bottom of the strike zone. We know that they like to, you know, that we need to change our approach. And, and I've seen them do it a couple times this year. There's been a couple times this year where it was very clear that the, the line of attack was, okay, that we're going to swing at strikes early in the count, which is not their usual MO, right? Usually they're, they're Correct. working, they're working, uh, counts. They're trying to get the pitch count up for, a, for a batter. They're grinding at bats. They're trying to win the time of possession, as Kapler would say. Uh, but there have been a few times 
where they have uh, they they've they've been aggressive early in the count and 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 they seems to have they've had some success there and so I I just for all their the great stuff that they've done I feel like sometimes they get into a rut and the other team knows it and the other and as long as they're gonna ex- they know that if they execute the Giants aren't going to be a threat and I think we saw that a few times uh, in this Cardinal series I mean we certainly did not you know, swing the bat the way we did. I mean, it started out well, right? On, on Friday, yeah. you know, we scored some runs and it was great. And just Shremsky hits two home runs and, you know, it's, you know, you think, okay, but now, um, you know, they've run into some, uh, some concerns for sure. Yeah. Two low scoring affairs, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't think the pitching staff, you know, the pitchers pitched well. Pitching's right? not pitch the problem. No, no, not, not this well enough to win across the board. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting because to me, you know, I think by the time you make the playoffs, right, against the National League, at that point in time, every pitcher that you've seen, you should know them, right? Because you've seen them already this year. So hopefully by the time the Giants get to the postseason, they'll begin to recognize which of these pitchers are true threats that can beat them this way and which ones aren't. I will say the one thing about this approach, if this is what the Giants are doing, and I think it is pretty clear that that's what they're doing. I mean, you can even hear the 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 hitters talking about this in the post-game interviews, you know, they talk about this being their approach, not maybe in so much detail, but this is generally what they're saying. This is what they're doing. They're waiting for their pitches. And I do think, though, that they need to recognize that there are some pitchers who are good enough to exploit that. Because once you know what the uh, your opponent is trying to do, that is a tremendously powerful thing. On the other hand, it's really hard for a pitcher to consistent, consistently throw his pitches into the right spot every single time. But it seemed like Kim was able to do that in a lot of ways that you're going to see some really good pitchers in the playoffs be able to do that. And so I hope the Giants, if they do change their approach, do their homework and and recognize which of the pitchers are likely to present that problem to them so that they can know ahead of time that that's what their game plan needs to be. Um, that being said, I also think pitchers for the rest of the season are going to try to do that. Of course, trying is a lot different than doing. Uh, so, I, I mean, I don't necessarily think the Giants need to change their approach overall, but I do think they need to be a little bit smarter about when they, you know, move away from it, right? And I, I think it, it was, it to me, it looked like a possible miss. Now, honestly, it's only one game. Obviously, it's only one game. And, you know, again, we're just fans. So it's hard to know what's happening when you're on the outside looking in. But I do think uh, that was a, that looked like a situation where a pitcher who had their number was allowed to do the same thing two games in a row. And the Giants really didn't change their approach. And they paid for it. Right. That being said, uh, you know what other, one other thing that I noticed about the Cardinals and, and I'm going to admit something. I only noticed this because you pointed it out to me. <laughs> but oh, one thing that I... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Segways, man. It just felt like my tar- turn to make the segue. Okay, but, go for it. But, but you know what I noticed is, is that the Giants, as they were playing the Cardinals, the Cardinals did something that seemed very unusual to a season 2021 Giants fan. They kept running the same lineup out there every single day and that lineup has like not counting the pitcher has what six right six or seven right handers yeah i think yeah. six right handers one switch hitter and then matt carpenter <laughs> 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 and uh who who's a left-hander but i you know he's he's having a lost season so i don't in some ways he's a no-hander 
You know, and, and I think to a Giants fan at this point, you know, many of us have gotten used to it. I think we've all, well, we all, we're all not surprised by it at this point. We may not be comfortable with it. But the Cardinals just do not believe in this whole lefty-righty thing at all. And they just kept running the same lineup out there and like, nope, these are our best eight guys. And those are the guys who are going to be in every game. And on the one hand, I will say that, you know, they had the Giants number. They went two and four against the Giants. They won the season series. But it, they didn't do it by scoring a ton of runs, right? I think the, really, no. the Cardinals really won that series because they suppressed the Giants lineup. And and overall, the Cardinals are not great. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about this whole dichotomy? I mean, this, they were, this was two very, very different mentalities um, at play here. Right. I mean, as you said, as a seasoned Giants fan, right? I mean, it just, I'm watching, I'm sitting there, sitting down, you know, got my drink in hand, watching the game, and they flash the the, the Cardinals lineup on the screen, and it's just all these R's next to the thing. And and I'm like, wait, who's who's pitching today? You know, I mean, that immediately who I went to, because I was like, we must, are we pitching a left-hander? Is like Wood pitching? And then I realized it was Cueto. And I'm like, oh, wow, they don't believe in this righty-lefty thing at all. And, and... Which is is crazy because I know the Giants, obviously, you know, you can tell by looking at their lineup whether there's a right-handed or a left-hander starting uh, that day. And what was also interesting is that I think I don't I haven't checked recently, but I know like two months into the season, the Giants had yet to ha- repeat a lineup once. Like, I mean, they had had so many <laughs> different lineups. I, I want to say it was at least it was at least six weeks into the season they had yet to repeat a lineup. Well, you can look these things up on fan graphs, so. Yeah, and uh, you 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 go ahead and do that because I'm too lazy to do it. But I uh, <laughs> all right. I, well, you I, keep I, talking then. <laughs> I <laughs> so I just I, I felt I mean to see the Cardinals do that right where they're just playing the same guys every day, all right-handers. Uh, it really highlighted to me the difference between the two clubs, and and I think you have to give the Giants credit because they have they have locked on into, and I know we've talked about this a little bit indirectly but you know they they were their whole goal was to field a competitive team while they were rebuilding and in order to do that they were going to find players that were uh complementary to each other and so you know do you have an outfielder that hits left-handers really well yes mr darren ruff right and then do you have a right-hander that hits or a left-hander that hits right-handers very well. And you're like, well, yeah, Lamont Wade Jr. And, you know, and so those two guys combined are like, you know, 20 plus home run or, you know, 18 home runs, I think this so far this year. And, you know, that's a really good outfielder. And, you know, so we, we, yeah, we don't have uh, a star player, but the Giants have done a really good job of identifying these role players that, you know, can play in what's considered a platoon which I think in the old days was, you know, considered a weakness, right? I mean, the, and I think to some still, it's considered a weakness. The platoon situation means you're not a good player. Uh, but if you're really good against a left-hander, then why shouldn't you play against left-handers? And if you're really good against a right-hander, then you should play against right-handers. And so, you know, that's, uh, it has, it has served the Giants well. Obviously, you know, they're, they lead the league in home runs in a lot of different ha- uh, offensive categories. They're leading, they have the best record in the majors and the Cardinals don't, right? And the Cardinals, as you said, are a mediocre team hovering around 500. They've got the stars. 
They've got the Paul Goldschmidt's and they've got the Nolan Arenados, but they don't have a full complementary team like the Giants do. And so I think we need to give them the Giants credit and Farhan Zaidi and for developing a team that, yeah, isn't sexy. It doesn't look great on paper, uh, but or it doesn't look good in the in, you know, on, you know, when you're drafting your your fantasy team no but but it sure it's has horrible for results. fantasy players yeah. yeah the san francisco giants are a horrible team for fantasy players absolutely like i would never pick a i would never pick a position player if i'm a fantasy player from the san francisco giants because i know that there's many days where my guys are not going to play and they're yeah. going to get pulled out of a game right because that's the other thing that well, the only one would be Brandon Crawford. I think he's the only one that plays every day that you would consider. Okay, yeah, we'll. we'll I think uh, Yaz. I think Yaz also would play every day if right. he were healthy. Right? And, and then but I would I, say Buster, but Buster doesn't play every third day. So you know, if you're, right, you're a fantasy exactly. guy, right? Yeah, that, I, I mean, I think when it comes to the platoon righty lefty thing, I think Yaz Crawford and Posey are the only ones that you would play every day. But then even and then for fantasy reasons, I don't think. I mean, this year for sure, Crawford obviously great offensively. Uh, but that's not why you play Crawford every day, right? You, you play Crawford every day for his defense, without a doubt. But, 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 uh, yeah, those are the three players that the Giants have when they're healthy that you would play against a righty or a lefty. Everything else at that point it comes down to to the platoon situation. But the thing is, you're absolutely right. It is absolutely working. And but the thing is, is that it's not just working. You know, you, you mentioned you, we should commend Zaidi for 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 getting these guys. I think we should commend Kapler for being so committed to it, because to a certain extent, I mean, it's almost like religious fervor the way they are committed to this, right? Yes. I mean, it's not just the starting day lineups. And by the way, I went to Fangraphs and I tried to figure that out, and it's just a mess. Like, <laughs> I I don't know. I, I, is there a single game where they had the single lineup? I mean, you can look at them versus right-handers and left-handers, and you can see where the top six guys are the same. But after that, no, it's too hard, Matthew. It's too hard. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know how many times the Giants have repeated a lineup, but it can't be more than five five times per lineup. Yeah, well, especially um, with all the injuries, right? In the cycle yeah, no, I mean, that, that I think more than anything has really driven this. But I think also, you know, building a, a lineup like this, building a roster like this has had either the intended or accidental side effect of being very resilient when it comes to injuries because yeah. you did build a lineup with this intent. But but getting back to, to what I was saying before, it's not just about Zaidi building this lineup. It's about Kapler's commitment to using it, because I will say that one of the things that he does that I'm not necessarily fully on board with as a fan that really makes me uncomfortable. And I do think he has used it. He's overused it on occasion and it has hurt him in games where he needed players and he didn't have them is what I would call the line change. Right. This is the equivalent of the hockey maneuver where the entire, you know, set of forwards comes out of the games and a new set jumps on when the opposing team brings in a new pitcher because of the rule where they have to face three batters in a row. Uh, Kapler will replace three of his guys in a row. Right. He right. will pinch hit for three guys all in a row just to switch handedness. And the problem with that is, of course, that it forces you to use a huge chunk of your bench and your bench is not very big to begin with. And so when you absolutely need anybody who isn't a pitcher to go hit a ball when you have the opportunity to tie or win the game late, you don't have those guys. And I will say that is an area where Kapler at the beginning of the season did not have that calibrated correctly. 
I think he's gotten better at it, as we saw with the um, the Yastrzemski home run. Or no, who was it? it was, sorry, the Casali. Oh, he Casali got the walk, and then Yaz hit the walk, uh, hit the uh, the water. That's the, right. The home run. That's right. Yeah, to take the leap. That's correct. Yes. But anyway, the point is, is that he had Casali available, and it was Casali was the last guy he had as a. And so instead of sending the pitcher out there, he was able to send Casali out. Now he needs to make sure that he can still do that while doing these line changes, and that's that's what makes this difficult and hard. And that's why platoon players maybe aren't as valuable as saying somebody who can play every day against all against any pitcher. And of course, that's what you want. Of course you want that. You want the flexibility. You want to have the ability to do that. But when you don't have those kinds of players, this is a great way to put a competitive team on the field, but you have to be committed to it. And I think that's the one thing that I see about Kapler is that he is super committed to this idea. He's like, yes, these are the tools that I was given, and this is how I have to use them in order to win, and I am going to do it that way. And yes, yeah. Yeah, well, and I think you know, today, uh, you know, I was looking at uh, the fan reactions or I was, you know, I was on Facebook and there's a Facebook page I belong to called Crook and Kipe that, you know, there's there's actually multiple Facebook pages called Crook and Kipe. And I left one because it got really toxic and went to another one. And uh, anyway, long story oh, short. Wow, the toxic I, Facebook, the Crook and Kipe Facebook drama. Oh, yes. So, so full, full of drama. But uh, what's what, what was interesting is that I've seen is that, you know, there was there were a lot of people that were questioning why Darren Ruff was pinch hit for today against for Lamont Way Jr. And actually, they were more upset that Ruff got pinch hit, even though he's been swinging the bat really well lately. And Talkman stayed in. Right. And it was again, as Talkman was batting like two players later, two or three spots lower in the lineup. And and, you know, to your point, when you say that Kapler has bought in, right, uh, he plays the percentages. And the percentages say that Lamont Wade Jr. hits right-handers better than Darren Ruff. And the problem, when you play the percentages, you can't also play your gut. You, know, you have to stick with this the percentages. True. This is true. Right? You got to do one or the other. And, and you're gambling in Vegas, Right. You got to play the percentages in order to win uh, or yep. you, know, you can't be like, well, I've got a feeling it's going to come up red this yeah, time. You're, right. You're I mean, either Gabe Kapler or you're Dusty Baker. You're not both. Right. And yeah. so so fans are going to second guess Kapler when he sends up Lamont Wade Jr. for a hot Darren Ruff. But the, the, the over the, the, the statistics. And, you know, say that Lamont Way Jr. gives us a better chance to come through in that situation. And he's playing the percentages. And, you know, and how can you argue with it this year? I mean, look at how well that 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 philosophy has done for the Giants this year. I mean, they lead the league in so many offensive categories. I mean, they have the best record in baseball. I mean, you can't you can't sit there and argue with. Kapler for putting in Lamont Made Jr. over a hot Darren Ruff when he's done that all year and it's come and it's it's worked for us. So, yeah. you know, and and you know, Talkman is a whole other category. I mean, Talkman, you know, uh, you know, it was a right-hander on the mound and Talkman's turn was up. What I thought was interesting was that Talkman got the start today against a left-hander. And oh, wow. Yeah. And so I, I wasn't real sure what that was about, which means, you know, was that uh, a Doug that, that they just needed to get him up some playing time or. Well, I know he's hitting actually he's hitting left handers better than he is hitting right handers this year, I think. Oh, so come on. so maybe I mean, maybe that's it. I don't know. But Talkman got the start today, which was a little odd, but that's a whole other 
You know, I mean, that that deviated from the standard. Don't worry, I got stuff to say about all this. So so, so keep going. All right. No, well, I mean, I, that's it. I think that there's... My point is that Kapler, as you said, is bought into the way the, the, way the Giants have been built and the way that we're going to be successful is everyone has their role against a certain type of pitcher and he's going to pull those strings every time. And, and it's shown that if he's consistent with that, then the Giants will be successful. And so you can't, I, to my, in my mind, yeah, it's frustrating when the guy, the string he pulls doesn't come through, but, you know, what about when it does? And, and we've seen that happen many, many times. We, we lead the league in pinch hit home runs, for crying out loud. You know, there, there have been times where it's worked for the Giants. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I mean, I, look, the, the platoon approach has worked for for every has worked all season. And and this is what has gotten the Giants to where they are. And this is what's going to get the Giants to the postseason. And this is probably how the Giants are going to continue to play into the postseason. Like this is the strength that they have. And as awkward and as unusual as it seems, it is working for them. And so, yes, we absolutely should continue to see this be the way that this team plays the rest of the season. And I mean, the, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things to, to talk up to unpack here, but, but the first thing that I'll, I'll say about this is like, let's just talk about Steven Duggar. Uh, Duggar's cold right now. He's just cold yeah. and, and he, he is not hitting well. And I think probably Talkman starting today was just a matter of, of getting Duggar a breather. Right. And giving yep. him some time off and and, and continuing to work there. I, I think Duggar has demonstrated enough through the first half of the season that he's got the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, I think this is one of those things where, you know, he he's been struggling. He's been scuffling and and they want to give him some some time off and take a little bit of the pressure off. On the other hand, by replacing him with Mike Talkman, I don't know, you know, look. I have talked a lot this season about Talkman and and how great he is defensively and how much you almost don't care about his hitting. But at a certain point, reality has got to set in, right? And Mike Talkman is hitting 187 for the season. His OPS plus is 63. I mean, that means he's... He's 37% worse less than, than the average, average player. Average. Yeah. Average player, right? And uh, offensively speaking, and his his on base percentage is two ninety two. His slugging percentage is two ninety seven. And the thing we remember about this guy when he does things offensively is his power, right? But his slugging percentage is two ninety seven. His OPS is five eighty nine. Ouch! Right? I've seen slugging percentages that high, right? Remember, OPS is slugging percentage plus on base percentage. Talkman is just absolutely silent at the plate. So when I hear fans complaining about him not getting pinch hit for, I'm with them. I hear them. I feel them. Because I I feel it too, man. I mean, I the guy is fantastic defensively, and he has won baseball games, at least two of them for us, because of what he's done out in the field. And he has probably contributed much more than that. In fact, his wins above replacement is actually positive right now, probably because of his defense. Yeah. But the point is, I mean, this is not a slump. Right, you, you you do not call 155 at bats and 179 plate appearances a slump. 
Tis a flesh wound. <laughs> right, right. This is this is a little bit like that. And I, you know, I mean, th- honestly, you know, I, I think as much as uh, we appreciate what Kapler and, and Zaidi have done building this team, I do think they have a couple of blind spots. And I think Alvarez in the bullpen and Talkman on the lineup are those blind spots for sure. I, I just don't do not understand how they continue to go to these two guys for as long as they have, especially given the way that they have turned their backs on other players that were having seemingly better appearances than these two. So when a player complains about Mike, sorry, when a fan complains about Mike Talkman, I hear it. Um, That being said, I mean, Duggar's struggling, and I, I think they just wanted to give Duggar some time off. And so that's why Talkman was in there, because, you know, you might as well put Talkman in there. Maybe this is like a sign that's like, you know, Talkman's last hurrah. I don't know. Um, I mean, that probably that's probably not true. <laughs> probably not true. I, I think Talkman's going to be with the team for, for, for a while. But 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 Talkman is hitting left handers better. He his his OPS plus is seven seventy seven as opposed to a sixty three. Both of those numbers are horrible for those of you who do know not know what uh, OPS plus is. Yeah, 100 is an average. Is 100 is average, right. So you want anybody who's like 120 or above is 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 a good player is, is you know, it's one of the players that you think that could typically think of as good or great. Uh, so if you're below 100, that means you're below average. And and so Talkman is not good against righties or lefties, but he is better against lefties than he is righties at least this year. That being said, I, I do want to compare two hitters to you. So the two hitters are hitting, um, well, the batting average is 278. The on-base percentage for, for hitter A, 278, 363 on-base percentage, 556 slugging percentage for an OPS of 918. Like it. Or an, or an OPS plus of 154. Yeah, that's pretty okay. nice. 54% right. above average. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, right. Or... Or you could have a 215 batting average, this is player B, a 338 on base percentage, a 431 slugging percentage for a 768 OPS for a 115 OPS plus. So a little bit above average, but not nearly as good as that first guy, right? No, right. No, I think if you're comparing and say, which player do you want? I think you got to go with player A. Right, yeah, and so you well, guess, would always. But that's without factoring in a defense. So I'm assuming. Sure. So we're sure, just sure. we're just comparing offense. Well, just comparing offensive numbers. Let's say this is a pinch hitting scenario, and you had to choose the better hitter, and it's you know you're down by one, and there's a runner on first, and it's the bottom of the ninth, and there's two outs, right? Got you're it. You're not. You don't care about defense at this point. No. You take player A, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's Lamont Wade Jr. as a right a batting against right-handers compared to Darren Ruff. Lamont mm. Way Jr. is better against right-handers than Darren Ruff. And so you would always... Sorry, uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah, you would always want Lamont Way Jr. hitting against right-handers compared to Darren Ruff hitting against right-handers. Yeah, well, I exactly. Exactly, yes. And that's the point. Yes, and you know, people today, you know, I was seeing that, but people are so upset with Lamont Way Jr. pinch hitting for Darren Ruff. And yeah, Darren Ruff's been hot. Yes, Darren Ruff actually hits, as you saw, 115, you know, OPS plus is actually fairly good. Against, yeah, but that's a uh, 215 batting average. Yeah, folks. right. Yeah, exactly. 215 batting average. 215 uh, batting average against right-handers, Darren Ruff, 215. So, yeah. you know, you're 21.5% of the time he's going to get a hit versus, what was the other one? Uh, uh, was, uh, Lamont was, Wade Jr. is hitting 278. 
Okay, so there's a significant cha- difference between the two, right? And so, yeah. In baseball, I, I, there's a significant difference. Yeah, right. <laughs> in, in all other worlds, it's like 6%, but whatever. But I, but I, yeah, and I think that that's, that's a perfect example of how, you know, the casual fan sees, you know, a player that's playing well, getting pinch hit for, and has an absolute, you know, like, cow about about why they're pinch hitting for somebody like that when you know you dig into the numbers and Kapler's going to do that every time. I mean that's 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 their roles. Ruff knows it, Wade Jr knows it. They've all bought into it. They all know that that's their role. And I think the only reason that that Ruff has been hitting against right-handers as much as he has is because Belt's been out and you've got, you know, he's filling in for for injured players and so he's getting more opportunities against right-handers, but but certainly his role is to crush left-handers. And he's Correct. been doing that really, really well this year. And Lamont yeah. Wade Jr. has yet to ever get a hit against the left-hander, but he does pretty darn good against right-handers. And right. that's yeah. that's his role. Yeah, and I will tell you, Darren Ruff has not been horrible against against the right-handers, even though he's got the 215 and the 338 on base percentage. He has hit four home runs against those guys, but, but Lamont Wade Jr. has hit eight home runs against those guys. And... Um, well, you know, I mean, I think as, yeah, I, I think that they're on pace for the same number of home runs, but at the same time, the on-base percentage is significantly better and the slugging percentage overall is significantly better. He's just better against right-handers and that's why you're going to see that, that switch and going the opposite way, you definitely don't want Lamont Wade Jr. batting against left-handers over Darren Ruff, right? Right. So you absolutely have to be platooning these two guys. Embrace the platoon, Giants fans. Embrace it. Love it. Hug it. I mean, that's what's making us so good right now. We don't have a guy that's so bad against one, uh, you know, one arm, a left-hander, a right-hander, and we have to suffer through it. No, we don't have to suffer through it. He gets put on the bench and waiting for the perfect opportunity to come in later in a game where he'll be more successful, and we have another guy coming in ready to take his spot. So... That's the way we are. That's who we are. Absolutely. I mean, this is what Joe Girardi said about the Giants. They have an answer to every move you make. Yeah. There's nothing that you can do to outmaneuver the Giants. They have a piece for every move that you make. The only thing that Girardi said was perhaps they make those moves too soon. And I do agree. I agree with Joe at that point in time. Joe was correct. Yes. And I think, that, I that think Kapler some... listened, right? Yeah, I think Kapler's listening. Yeah. He's, he's, he's hearing it, right? I mean, and then the fact of the matter is if you and I are seeing it, Matthew, smarter people smarter than us totally. are definitely seeing it too, right? Yes. And, so... and, and Kapler, if anything, I'll give him credit. He seems like a guy that's willing to, to own up to his mistakes and he wants to get better and seems like he's he's learning. So uh, for sure. definitely, definitely has seen some improvement in the way he's been managing games this year over years past, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I definitely will agree that he has been a guy who has definitely changed his ways and is willing to change his ways. I mean, I, I, I think I said this at the beginning of the season. I'm not a big believer in Kapler's ability to do X's and O's. And I don't know whose ultimate responsibility is to call those things. I mean, obviously, he's the manager, so the buck stops there. And, and ultimately, they're his decisions. But And I would still think, you know, I, I do not think Kapler is the greatest X's and O's guy. But when it comes to these sorts of things, it's important for fans to understand that why he's doing some of the changes that he is. 
there is a method to his madness, and it's not just his madness. It's the San Francisco Giants madness. This is the 2021 San Francisco Giants. This is why they are so good, right? At least on the offensive side. This is why they are achieving what they are achieving. And they are doing things that are wholly um, unusual for baseball. Doing this line change thing is absolutely unheard of. And I mean, it's unheard of because you wouldn't want to do it because you didn't have the three batter rule, right? But the three batter rule actually makes this line change maneuver viable. Yeah. And and it swings the percentages significantly in your favor. It, it does, because now you know what the opposing manager is going to do, because the opposing manager is forced by rule to keep that pitcher in for two more batters. It's it's an amazing thing, and nobody has exploited it. And the Giants are the first team to really go out there and exploit it, and they are committed to exploiting it, and they've built a team to exploit it. No other team in Major League Baseball is prepared to do this. And so it's an advantage, but it's only an advantage for 2021. You can um, you can bet that either the rule is going to be changed or other teams are going to start playing this way in 2022 and they're going to build their rosters to do it. The changes are coming and it's always best to be on the cutting edge and the Giants are on the cutting edge and we have to accept it and embrace it and love it because this is what's going to get the Giants to the postseason and hopefully win the NL West and watch the Dodgers and Padres play a one-game playoff. <laughs> that's right. Oh, God. Isn't that, that's just the fantasy, right? I mean, I yes. said that already. I just I, I, I get down on my knees, Matthew, every night. And I scrub up the cat vomit because that's why I'm down there. Uh, <laughs> but then after I do that, I say, please, God, let the Padres and Dodgers play that one-game playoff. To face the Giants. Yes. That's the type think, of prayers I don't, I don't think we God's, need. Yeah, I don't think God's listening to that. Because you know but, why. Because you know why. Listen, listen, Bob has something to say about that. Dodgers suck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do, Bob. Yes, they do. You know what, Bob? You know what? You're all right. You're, You're growing on Bob, me, Bob. Bob's growing on you, isn't he? He's growing on me. He's growing on me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You're not wrong, Bob. You're not wrong. You know, I don't, uh, I don't. You know, Matthew. Matthew wasn't really a believer in you, Bob, at the beginning. <laughs> That's right. It was but, all but, you. But uh, but uh, but yeah. But you know, I was I was behind you the whole time, the whole time, <laughs> at least financially uh, speaking. Okay. Well, you know, I you know, the the one thing that that keeps coming up. I mean, I've mentioned it a few times is is fans. You know, who are 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 freaking out a little bit about about everything. It just I'm amazed at how we have the best record in baseball. We have. We have uh, an offense that is, you know, one of the top three offenses in all of baseball, and yet fans still are freaking out. Or, you know, or we have one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball. Today, I saw some guy post on Facebook that he was like, oh, my God, Cueto, Cueto gave up another home run. We should trade him. And, you know, and I'm like, gave up one run. In in six innings. I mean, you know, or was it five five innings? Say right. And so I just, you know, he is. Anyway, I just. Why do fans freak out like that, though? I mean, we, why can't we just enjoy it? Why can't we enjoy good things? You know, we. I see these fans are just freaking out about everything, and we we can't go 162 and 0. Last time I checked, that would be a record, and. <laughs> 
and yeah. and I just I feel like guys are 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 freaking out about things that you know uh, they shouldn't be. And I know you actually gave me some stats today that 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 validate the fact that we shouldn't be freaking out. Like their record over their last twenty and thirty games. Yes. Well, I'm gonna, I mean, let, you, first... I'm gonna let you say because it was your stats, and you know, I don't, I don't, well, I don't like gotta, steal people. Now, now I'm all worried that I got the stats wrong. But, but no, but I'll, I'll spin them out there, and then, and then I'll make sure I got them right. But, but the first thing I want to say, Matthew, is it, you know, what a fan is an abbreviation for, right? Fanatic. Yes. Correct. Right. Which, which really just means insane person. Right. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, the thing about fans is fans are crazy. Fans are crazy. You know, they think the sky is falling when the Giants go two and four against the Cardinals. And I will say this. The Giants have gone two and four on the Cardinals against the Cardinals. And that is not a good sign because the Cardinals are a mediocre team. And that should be that should be a dangerous sign. And then, you know, there was a stretch earlier. I think I mentioned it last week where the Giants during their previous 10 games were were four and six. Right. Yep. They yep. they they had a losing streak of what I think four games or five games. I can't remember what it was. It was four or five games. And it really was the first time during the season where the Giants looked like they were they were starting to prove everybody else right, which is the Giants aren't as good as everybody as they've been playing. Right. This yeah. this team is not as good as as they've been playing and, and everything's going to come back to normal and the Giants are going to lose the rest of their games. And 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 you'll see you'll all see. And I, you know, I, I think I think the, the, the overall feeling was that the Giants are just not as good and they've been getting worse. Right. Well, here's the thing, Giants fans. Over their last 20 games, the Giants are 13 and seven. Matthew, what is 13 divided by 20? You do that. Math I just did. That it was like 650 something. 650 was... something. OK. OK. Over their last 30 games. It was 650. It's actually 650 on the dot. Yep. OK. 650. 650 winning percentage over the last 20 games. Okay, the Giants are 19 and 11 over their last 30. Can you can you divide? Uh, That's you 633. Divide That's 633. 633. Okay, so 633. Okay, now I'm going to go to the Giants. I'm going to go to the standings of uh, what? We'll just go to MLB.com here, and I'm going to I'm going to look at the standings page. If they're slow, okay, and I'm going to scroll all the way down. Can we all complain about how the NL West is always at the bottom? Always. Any and like, any time they talk can about Can we complain about like, that? Yeah. On every website. Every website. The NLS right. is always on right. the bottom. The junior league gets top billing. Right? Yeah. I, I think it's because they always want to have the Red Sox and the Yankees division at the top. That's what I think. That's BS. That is Giants BS. fans we got to boycott. I, I, don't, I don't know what we got to do. Maybe it's not boycotting. All the, anyway. all the rankings, all, everything, anytime that, uh, oh, that the athletic, at the anytime the athletic always does a thing, it's always, you have to scroll all the way down to the bottom. The Giants are always like the one of the last teams. We got to have a rule. Right? Like whichever team wins the world series, their division is at the top for all of these things the next season. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's the rule. That should be the rule. I like it. Yeah. All right. We got to scroll all the way to the bottom. I think we get the rest of the NL West with us on this one, right? Because that's BS. That's it is. BS. It's total BS. Anyway, I scrolled to the bottom now. It took me that long to get down to the bottom. But I'm going to tell you the Giants' winning percentage right now for the entire season, the best record in baseball, Giants fans, 63%, 630. So over their last 20 games, the Giants are significantly better than that. Well, I mean, two percentage points. But anyway... That's a 650 winning percentage over the last 20 games. And over the last 30 games, a 633 winning percentage. What I'm telling you, Giants fans... Wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're trying to tell me that the sky isn't falling? 
No, the sky's actually getting higher. What's happening is your expectations are getting higher than that. Mm. And you know what? That's fine. That's fine. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And also, we can't beat the Dodgers. And that's infuriating. That's infuriating. Gabe Kapler, you got a series against the Dodgers coming. You got to win all of them, or I'll hate you forever. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. I already don't like you. That's not true. I just don't think you're good at X's and O's. Uh, you know, I'm not the only one. <laughs> Trafalgar, right, ladies and gentlemen, the Trafalgar. Um, the Trafalgar has, has shown cocktail. its ugly head, yes. That's a case tasty cocktail. Wait, wait, I can find it. Hold on. Oh, Bob's got to say something. I got a second one that he can say here. Oh. Mmm. That's a tasty cocktail. That sounded like the first one. It, it wasn't. He actually says it a little bit different that time. So oh, he says it differently. Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> first one is, mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. And then the second you, one Bob. is, mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. So, you know, that's... Uh, uh, if by tasty you mean it's got a lot of alcohol in it, Bob, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, but my point is, look, my point is, is look, oh, it, the Giants are actually not getting worse. They're getting better, Right. Over the last 30 games, they are performing better than they have for the whole season. And over the last 20 games, they're performing even better than that. That's right. So the lesson is keep your expectations low, Giants fans. (laughs) (laughs) No, the point is, is that, look, one game is not indicative of a disaster unless you see somebody, uh, well, you know, I don't know, massaging their hamstring after swinging. At a pitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, he was fine. He was fine. Okay, yeah, he was fine. He was fine. Or, or, or taking a foul tip off the glove, and then and then putting the hand motion across their throat. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, that's not good. Th- th- those are those are bad signs during one game. Those are really the only signs that you can take out of one game and say it's a disaster. What you look for are trends. Okay. So I I would say, like, things that we need to look at and say these are indicative of a problem is the same pitcher silencing the Giants' bats two games in a row. Because whatever he's doing worked. Mm -hmm. And if the Giants didn't change their approach across those two games, then that person has found a way to beat the Giants. And, yeah, it might be a really hard way to do it. Right. But it is indicative of a of a of a a weakness. Those are the kinds of things that you need to look for. You know, it's not it's not that simple. You can't just look at one game and say, oh, you know, Cueto gave up a home run. Therefore, he sucks. You know, Uh, Jacob deGrom gives up home runs. He does. Right. Has Jacob deGrom gives up a home run? Because I wouldn't be surprised if he hasn't. I, yeah, I, I don't. I'd I don't be surprised know. if. Yeah, I'd actually be surprised if he did give up a home run. I, I'd be surprised if he farts. Quite honestly, <laughs> he's a god. <laughs> At least this year. Uh, yeah, he's given up six. Oh, maybe that's Look his weakness. That. That's the only that, way he gets beat. He's given up six home runs, Jacob Degrom, six and like home seven runs. hits. Then right? Oh, I mean, yeah, but he's given up how many hits? Forty. <laughs> oh man. But the Giants, what do the Giants do? They only hit home runs. Oh, Jacob DeGrom, no problem. Yeah. Of course, the Mets actually have to make the playoffs for us to really care. Uh, 
Uh, no, because the Giants play the, 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 the Mets six times. They've got oh. six games against the Mets. They have not played the Mets yet. That's right. We do have the some Giants have yet. not played the Mets yet. By the way, those of you who are keeping track, Nick Trapiano has not yet pitched for the Mets. He took like, a, there was like a month where he didn't pitch at all, even for their minor leagues. I think he was hurt. So I don't know what's going on there, but that's the that's the Nick Trapiano update. He is with AAA, uh, whatever, I want to say Trenton. Or maybe that's the Yankees. I, I'm just I getting know. lost in Jacob DeGrom's stats now. 40 hits and 92 innings. That's... 146 strikeouts. Oh, my God. His whip. Look at his innings. whip. No, look at his whip. I got I to gotta scroll down to that. What is it? What? Uh, 0.55? Oh, man, that's just... I mean, see, poor, the, the person who loses in all this is Kevin Gosman. Because Gosman would be a Cy Young, like, he would be leading the Cy Young thing. Okay, so here's what, I, here's, what I, here's what I advocate. I advocate that this year we create the Jacob deGrom Award and we give it to <laughs> Jacob deGrom. <laughs> How about Jacob deGrom gets MVP and then Gosman And then Gosman gets, gets the Cy Young. Yeah, no. I don't, you, you know, you and I both know what's going to happen. If he he's wins the both. MVP, yeah. he's winning the Cy Young. Because uh, at the end of the day, if you're that good, you're that good. Oh, and that's, that's, I mean, that's nobody, that's what the Hank Aaron Award was created for, is to allow a pitcher to be the MVP. Because they should. They yeah. should. I mean, Jacob deGrom deserves it if he continues to do this and the Mets make the playoffs, for sure. Uh I mean, this is this is un, unreal. All right, my my point is is that everybody gives up home runs, Matthew. Like every pitcher, the the fact of the matter is is that the Giants pitchers overall are performing well. the The hitters are performing well. My original point was is that what you got to look for are weaknesses. These are the areas where you have to be concerned. And why do we care about these things as fans? Well, we care about these things as fans because we want to see the Giants fix these areas of exposure, right? Here's the problem, though. I don't know that the Giants can fix the whole lineup, you know, swinging at only strikes or balls that they want to hit thing. That, I think, that's a change that has to happen within. You can't trade that problem away because that is a hitting philosophy, this yeah. is a philosophy of the Giants, and we just have to trust that they will they will know when to 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 not do that and when to do it. I yeah. mean, there's part of me that says in the playoffs you should never do that. In the playoffs, you should always have a different game plan every day, and it should be designed for the pitcher that you're going after that day. And I, I think the Giants are smart enough to do that. I think that's how you should absolutely approach the playoffs. It's weird, though, because I do know in Major League Baseball, there does seem to be this idea that, oh, whatever we did during the regular season works in the postseason, which is, of course, complete BS. That's right. Yes. Ask Dusty Baker. (laughs) Right. Because in the regular season, you're trying to win an overall percentage of games. You know, you win 63% of the games, you're going to go to the playoffs. Yes. In, In the playoffs, though, you're trying to win today. Yes. Every day. Every day. And 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 really, in the playoffs, you can never give a game away, right? I mean, maybe you can give one game away if you're up 3-0. But really, in the playoffs, you have to win every day. And you have to play to win every day. Yep. And so that means you have to have the pieces in place and you have to have the game plan in place to win that day. And I just hope that this Giants front office and and management team understands that. 
right? You can't have just a general approach and then waltz into the playoffs and just say, well, it worked for us for 162 games, so it's going to work for us for these three or five games, right? Yeah. Uh, you can't do that. You have to win every single day in the playoffs, and you, if you don't have a game plan to win every single day, then you're going to lose. And... Uh, and that's why, I mean, that's why I think things like this general approach concern me and things why the second game against Kim concerned me and and why Kapler concerns me, right, yep. overall. Yep. Because as we see Kapler has gotten better, I still worry about his overall ability to call X's and O's in a high-pressure moment. You know, like, because I know that he knows what to do when they bring in the right-handed pitcher and that pitcher has to face three batters, so he's going to do his line change. But the thing of the, you know, the thing of it is, Matthew, is that they're really smart guys managing for the other teams, and they're going to do things to try and trick Kapler into doing things that they want him to do. And, and he's got to be good enough to to countermand that. And the Giants also have to be able to good enough to recognize a Kim when they're going to face him, and understand that they have to change their game plan ahead of time, yeah. before the game starts. Uh, and not just go in thinking like, you know, the first game of the playoffs is just game 163 of the season because it's not. And right. so I think those are the trends that fans really need to look for. You know, we can't look at a game and say Cueto gave up a home run and therefore the Giants suck and they got to trade him. No, no. What uh, you got to be looking for are these greater trends. Yes. And these greater trends are, are really the things that you got to focus on. And at this point, though, it's all gravy, Right. We're fanatics complaining about, you know, listen, fans, here's the thing. We got first world problems right now. And that's what we're complaining about. That's right. And I got to tell. I'll take these problems. Yes, I will take these problems. But here's the thing. When you're in, it's Major League Baseball. It's a sport. So let's all relish the fact that we have first world problems and keep complaining. Yeah. Because, you know, you know. Fanatics, keep doing what you're doing. Keep complaining. Keep keep writing those posts on Facebook. Keep launching your podcasts. Keep doing all the crazy things that you do. Oh, that Trafalgar is uh, really hitting you hard here, isn't it, Ben? Um, well, I don't know. No, I think this is this is this is. I mean, come on, Matthew. Uh, who's more <laughs> fanatical than us? Bob has a question for you, though. Mm, yeah, sure. Are you drunk? <laughs> <laughs> I think the answer to that is yes. I'm going to spit all over my computer. Bob. Bob, come on, man. We've gone back away. Like, listen. Well, Bob actually, you know what? You. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I was just going to say, wow. You know what, Bob? Actually, yeah. We know we're really good friends now. You can ask me that question, and I have to answer it, answer it honestly. Answer I have honestly. to answer that question honestly. And the oh, answer Lord. is, Bob, No. I'm perfectly uh, fine, Ossifer. <laughs> All right, well, let's transition. We're running out of time, but let's transition really quickly. Dodgers, another thing that the Giants fans will have a lot to complain about over the next four days. Uh, but I do want to offer a little bit of hope here over these next four games. I'm looking at the uh, starting rotation for the uh, Dodgers, um, the next four games. Dodgers have Tony, Tony, Tony Gonsolin uh, starting tomorrow, <laughs> and and Tony uh, Gonsolin uh, was not a part of the original rotation. The interesting thing about that is that he is only gone. He only averages like four innings per start, and then and then uh, David Price. Well, actually, they don't have a starter announced for Tuesday, um, but then they have Urias and Bueller for Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday. 
so my point is the first two games are really important and we've got Gaussman and Wood going the first two games. So I think if the, the, the pitching matchups are lining up to where we really need to win the first two, I think, you know, uh, because then we've got Urias and Bueller, uh, who are obviously their two best pitchers right now. And uh, so if we can get those first two and then manage to squeak out a third somewhere between Urias and Bueller, that would be a really successful uh, road trip against the Dodgers. But really, I just want to split. I think a split is uh, you know, probably what we can hope for. Uh, during uh, for these next four games, but uh, anything less than that, um, and obviously we we're, we we lose control of first place, uh, and we start the inevitable slide to oblivion. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. no, uh, you're right. Two out of four is fine, but no, we have to sweep them, Matthew. Sweep. We have to sweep, sweep them. We have to beat the Dodgers. Also, Gabe Kapler, you want a playoff test? You want to show us that you can win on any day? Win these games. Win them. Win them. Well, we got Buster. We got Buster coming back, so that's good. We never uh, trusted you, Gabe Kapler. You want to earn our trust? <laughs> Win these four games, buddy. I thought you were done there. I was all ready to move on, but you're still no. Still yelling. Win at these Kapler. four games. <laughs> Look, and Bob has already declared me drunk. I'm going to lean into this sucker. We got to win these four games. I want to sweep. Calm down, Ben. <laughs> By the way, there is a calm down Matthew button, but I... <laughs> he hasn't given it one. to me yet. <laughs> I don't have the sound image. I don't... Just... Oh, this is fun. All right. Well, I, I think it is time for us to uh, wrap this sucker up, and we'll uh, we'll come back next week and uh, talk about how we did against the the Dodgers. And they got to win all four games. Win these four games, Kapler. All right, that's 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 uh, we're laying down the gauntlet. Got to win all these four games. So uh, Ben, uh, well, actually, here Bob's got something to say. Oh my God! Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> And Instagram, Bob, and Instagram. And Instagram, but it was too expensive to to have both, so I just, <laughs> I just had, I just chose one. So follow that, us on Mark Twitter. Zuckerberg. On Twitter, you can find us at uh, at Giant Cocktails on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at at Sonoma Y Guy. Ben, where can they find you? You can find me at Watch Ben Fail, just like you did today. Well, I guess you listened to Ben Fail today <laughs> on both Twitter and Instagram. All right. And uh, please, if you haven't already, subscribe to our little channel and uh, uh, rate us and uh, like us and all those fun things. Uh, it really helps us a lot. So uh, on that note, though, uh, have a great rest of your week. Go Giants. Dodgers suck. Oh, actually, let's let's let Bob say it one last time. Dodgers suck. That's right, Bob. Dodgers suck. Anyway, uh, we will see how we do against those Dodgers. And I don't even know who's playing after that. Frankly, it doesn't matter. But uh, Astros. It's the Houston Astros. Oh, Lord. All right. I'm glad. Yeah, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. Uh, it's a test. All right. Well, we'll maybe we'll have a really stiff drink next week. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how it all goes. So, Ben, until then, cheers. Beat the Dodgers, Kapler. Beat the Dodgers. <laughs> Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up. <laughs>